Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Phil Howard, legendary chef and restaurateur and all-round top bloke. Coming up on today's show... Maine Phil sets out his intentions... We plan on taking over the world, one pasta restaurant at a time. Other Phil describes what this podcast is. It was almost like the industry had been waiting for this. And Main Phil gives us a whopper of a cliffhanger. The food that gives the greatest pleasure is... All that and so much more as we chat through Phil's quite amazing story so far. Phil's story just absolutely blows my mind. And being a man who always says yes, we found ourselves chatting away on a busy Monday morning, minutes before a full Monday lunch service. What was he thinking? Regardless, our chat does not disappoint as Phil drops gold all the way through, including this wonderful summary of what hospitality is. It is a weird, wonderful world that we work in, and the whole thing is a comedy show in a way. I could not have put it better myself. Please don't forget to subscribe and share as far as you can. Enjoy. And a huge hospitality meets welcome to the man with the best first name in the world, Phil Howard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good to be here. Yeah, how's things with you? Yeah, fantastic. Monday morning, always full of, you know, I know it's good. I've just got one of those Mondays where I'm up, I'm at it. I was up at five, I chased a general manager from one of my other restaurants around on a bike for an hour and a half into work, kind of, yeah, up and at it, making it, making it. The sun is shining, so I'm making the most of it as, as I assume the sun will stop shining soon. Indeed, yes. And the, well, the nights, what's this, the nights will start drawing in. We've already started drawing yeah. in. Yeah, so, well, for the, the, the uninitiated out there, if you could just tell the world who you are and what you do. Yeah, my name is Phil Howard. Uh, I'm a chef at Ellison Street, uh, which is, Ellison Street is where I have my, uh, you know, my name above the door, so to speak, where I still, I still actively cook, very much in control of what goes on in this restaurant. Uh, I also have my fingers in all sorts of other pies that uh, keep me busy and entertained. I've got a business called, another restaurant called Kitchen WA with my partner from Ellison Street, which is another one-star restaurant, fan, absolutely fantastic restaurant that we've had for, must be about 15 years now, I should think. A business called Notto, relatively new, a kind of a, a pasta concept, which has been really exciting, actually. It's about a year old, doing incredibly well. And uh, we plan on taking over the world, one pasta restaurant at a time. Yeah. And oh, all sorts of stuff. I've got my fingers in many parts. Yeah, yeah. You're not busy then. You've uh, you've not got a lot going on. Well, it's just the problem is saying no is is, is much harder than saying yes. Right. <laughs> I love food. I love restaurants, and um, I love people, and I love cooking, and I love. And it's just when the opportunities come along, or you have fantastic people working for you who want to go on and do their thing. On the whole, what I've done is I haven't tried to go out there and expand. I've only ever had my name above one door. It was the square for 25 years, and now it's Ellison Street. But effectively, what happens is you have, every now and then, you have somebody in the kitchen who is, who's just a really great cook, um, or a manager, or a combination, and who are wanting to go on and do their own thing. And if we've got a, you know, some, some, some money we can support with, then we've, then we've helped to kind of launch them. So the things that I have, the pies that I have my finger in, are much more in that capacity where I've helped to support and and and, um, and fund a business rather than be involved on a day-to-day basis, which is actually a really lovely way of doing it, where you just yeah. get the joy of It's a bit like being a grandparent. You don't actually have direct responsibility and to be up every day at 5 a.m., but you get all the pleasure that goes that go, that goes with it. Yeah, and I suppose you're, you're giving people a little leg up uh, as well, just in terms of helping them get off, off and running in their own space. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, you know, supporting young people is a really, you know, it's a privilege to be in a position where you where you where you can do it, and it's and it's so rewarding. And you know, London, in a way, it's got a little bit easier now. Because you know, but to open a restaurant in London, they they don't they don't grow on trees, they don't come cheap. But London is such a kind of eclectic and funky place now from a food point of view. You don't need some fantastic frontage on a on a on a expensive high street paying full rent in, to open a restaurant. You know, location yeah. so important. 
People don't know where they're going now. They just put it in their phones and they've got in an Uber and off they go. It doesn't matter whether you're on a back street. It doesn't matter whether you're in a basement or three, two floors up. So it's much more accessible, I think, now to, to open a little restaurant or some funky little thing that people, as they do now, than it, than it used to be, where you used to have to find a good location on a high street somewhere where there was a footfall, you know, where you were present and visible. And so it's, um, it's, got, it's got easier, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting point of view, and I hadn't actually ever kind of contemplated that because it's uh, it used to be as you as you quite rightly say, get that big frontage in the middle of Mayfair, and you're probably paying yeah. all manner of cash to yeah. to get a place a place there. And whilst that still exists, of course, but if you've got a a passion and you've got something that can work, then I mean, you could do. I, I was in Hackney last week, first time I've ever been to Hackney in my life, and the restaurant scene around there is mental. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a part owner of a restaurant called Perilla, which is uh, sort of Newington Green, which is up in that neck of the woods. You know, I'm West London. So it is, you know, I, I get my passport out when I go over there because it's <laughs> right the other side of London. But there is a, a, it's just so exciting because there is a, you know, ultimately I'm now, you know, en route to 60 and I'm an old timer, you know, quietly becoming a has-been. And I'm comfortable with that. You know, that's the reality of it. And the youth, you know, the young guns out there are just, they're just, there's just so much great stuff happening. The energy and the passion and the drive that, that young people have. And food has moved on and the creativity, it's not even just so much the creativity. It's just, when I started cooking, if you were an ambitious young chef, you had to go the Michelin route. That was really the 95% of us went that route because in, 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 in truth, that was where the vast majority of great food was found. Now, there's just as much talent and skill and passion and energy. People making, you know, you know, chicken pop ups and and bao buns and pulled pork, whatever it, you know, whatever it is, anything goes. Yeah. People realise that good food is good food. It doesn't have to be a lobster ravioli to be good. It can be, you know, a filthy piece of you know slow cooked beef short rib. You know, is is. Yeah. 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 Wicked. Okay, well, we just got straight into the conversation. But actually, what I want to do is take you all the way back to the beginning. How did you get into this world in the first place? Well, I got into the world because I I went to university to study microbiology. That was just kind of a natural progression of what I studied at school. Light sciences, light natural sciences. Um, had no idea what I was going to do with my life, so I thought, well, I'll go to uni and see what happens. So I went to uni and. While I was there, it was the first time I'd, I'd sort of had independence, really, from, from my parents. My mum was a great cook, is a great cook, but I'd never got involved with the food at home. And when I went to university, I had to start to cook. And uh, I lived actually with two mature students in my first year. And, and, and so I really had to get involved with, you know, and share the cooking with people who actually knew what they were doing. They weren't, they yeah. weren't students. And I just found this, you know, I just found this thing that I loved. Yeah, and that was the bottom line. I knew from the get-go that that food was going to be my life and um, I didn't quite know what what that meant but I just it was the first the first thing I'd come across in my life where I felt every cell in my body said this is this is me this is this is this is this is this is great yeah anyway so I mean I, I stuck uni out and uh, then left and I went traveling with a mate for a year just to go and get that out of the system and uh, when I got back I I just sent a load of letters off to, I, I worked in a restaurant when I was in Australia, as a waiter actually, a cheap and cheerful, but good Italian kind of trattoria. And that's where I just thought, this is my world. This madness, these, this kid restaurant, all this chaos and madness that's going on around me. This is, I thought, this is for me. And so when I got back to London, I just, I sent letters to, what I perceived to be the kind of the top restaurants at the time, the top names, which is quite an eclectic mix, but it was everyone from Nicola Dennis to Sally Clark to the Rue Brothers to Simon Hopkinson at Bendham, and got, um, actually I got quite a good response considering I had not a lot to offer other than some passion. And um, I ended up going to work for the Rue Brothers. They offered me sort of an almost an apprenticeship. Right, All right, good start then. Um, yeah, it was a great start. At the time they were, they were top dogs really. And I went to work for them for a year, and in that time, Marco Pierre White appeared on the had, had you know was 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 making a big noise. So I went to Harvey's to have dinner, and I just thought, shit, this is this is where I need to be. So I I left the ruse, having had a great time, and went to work for Marco for a year. 
and which was an extraordinary experience, but an amazing experience. I like everyone who went in. It's a bit like a football manager. You get you get you get given the job. But there's only one way out, and that's being sacked. And <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> I got, and uh, I then went to work to Babendum, which was an amazing experience. Very different to um, anything I'd seen before. And then the you know the square came about through a weird chain of events. Going getting back in touch with Marco because his he was going to open a restaurant with his with his then business partner Nigel. I went back to Harvey's, and the extraordinary chain of events meant that actually Nigel and I ended up opening the square. So I had I had three three jobs before the square, each of you know kind of about a big year. They all were really important. They all played a big part in me as a as a as a as a cook classical finesse of the of, 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 of the ruse then the sort of the just the sheer flair and the, the the creativity and the energy in that kitchen at, at, at Harvey's and then back down to earth with 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 Simon where it was all about really for the first time the ingredient the ingredient was 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 king and seasonality and provenance and really getting to understand that ingredients are everything and seasonality is everything and harmony of flavor is everything and so there were three kind of it was more luck than judgment the three the three different jobs but they all contributed a lot to my kind of cooking base I suppose yeah that but so so you had three jobs basically and then went into effectively running your own business and then went into opening the square yeah God uh, Almighty what how old were you at that point I was twenty three at that point um, Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, listen, you know. Hey, at that age, you don't know. You don't care. You just want to do it. You just, you know. You don't yeah. Just... Uh, well, and the what? naivety is actually a really yeah. wonderful trait, isn't it? At that time, really kind of empowering. I didn't give it a minute's thought. Had no idea what I was doing. Really, I knew I could kind of cook. I knew I had. I knew I had some ability. Was was and was 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 inexperienced, but that was that was that. Anyway, we opened the square. You know, back in those days in 1991, there wasn't a huge amount going on. It, we really hit the ground running. It was, it was, you know, it was phenomenal. Really struggled to find any staff because we were, I was a complete nobody, and we we managed to put a, put a small team together. And I don't know, we did a lot of things really well. Got a lot of things right. Got plenty of things wrong, of course. But we did create a restaurant that, for London, felt really fresh. You know, because it it wasn't not that we would sit myself alongside Tom Clare or Shane Nico or you know or 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 you know restaurant Marco Pierre White or any of those places. But we were young, able, driven, um contemporary, I guess. We had quite a funky design in the restaurant. And it was something it was something new. And the food was good, but it was accessible. It wasn't, you know, too pricey. And then basically over the next 25 years, we just did the same thing. We turned up for work every day, worked really hard, did the best we could and progressed enormously in that time and created a restaurant that did become something really special you know, for all sorts of reasons. One, from, you know, for me, it was really special. For Nigel and I, it was really special. You know, the team, people loved working there. It was hard graft, but we, you know, we led from the front and, and um, we turned up and we did a did a did a great job, and we created a restaurant that was really special. I I don't think there's any doubt about that. It ended up with all the you know the accolades that it had, which was which was lovely. But it was also it was big. It was it was happening. You know, it wasn't a little carpeted temple of gastronomy like the sort of the all the other sort of the big boys were at the time. Very different kind of restaurant. Very we were something new. There was a you walk into the square, and it was just buzzing in there it was like a proper you know it's like a brasserie big bustling brasserie with two stars it was you know it was it was unusual right yeah 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 so you you started that age 23 which yeah. I, I just it kind of still to this day but it baffles me that that, that i mean that I, I really love it on the one hand because you kind of you've just backed yourself a hundred percent at that time of your life to you know go all in or not at all kind of scenario yep. No, absolutely, absolutely, and and we went all in. And you know, I look back, and there I had a team of people, a team of in the in the well in the kitchen. I remember closest. Obviously, there was a team out front too, and that opening team. You know, I I will forever be indebted to them because we worked. 
we opened seven days. We worked so hard, and uh, you know, lots of people work hard, but it's really humbling when people work that hard for for you. They're yeah. just a young employee at the time, to, to, you know, to be to be to be simplistic about it. And it it is really humbling how hard people will commit to the cause if they're happy and if they want to be a part of this thing that's going on. And um, and we and and we did. Yeah, we had we had a really stable team for 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 a long time. And that was, um, in fact, you know, Rob Rob Weston. He 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 stayed with. You know, he he worked at the Square for I don't know. It must have been ten years. Then he went off and worked for Marco, and he worked for. Rue Brothers. He went over to Guy Savoy in Paris. Then he came back to the Square for another for another stretch. And uh, yeah, it was a great journey. The Square was a great journey. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I suppose in, in principle, it kind of ultimately de- defined you uh, as a. As... It, it it did really. I mean, I'm very grateful for for everything. It, you know, we had an amazing run. It was a great business. We had a great time. We achieved great things. Everything I ever dreamt I might want to do as a cook happened. You know, we achieved there, and that's a really it is a privileged place to, 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 to be where you feel, I feel professionally 100% fulfilled. And that's a really lovely kind of place place to be. You know, yeah. not without its challenges and its difficulties, obviously. You know, it, was, it was hard, but it was um, on a professional level, it was, it was really special. And you end up, you know, age 50 thinking, you know, when we, when we sold it, thinking the time's right, you know. I'm a very different person now to the person I was when we opened it all those years ago, you know, over, over a quarter of a century ago. And um, I changed as a, as a person. I changed as a chef. And um, I just wanted to do something different, you know. And you think, actually, the time's right to call it a day. So we, so, so we did. Yeah. When, when you started, did you, have, did you set yourself goals in the sense of uh, we were chasing stars? Or was it a case of we're just... No, we're, ordinarily. No. I don't know. Genuinely, um, I found out that we had a star through a fish supplier. Actually, um, I was so naive and so I don't know, so, so bogged down on the on the daily the daily battle that I just I know I, I I genuinely didn't. The, the first star came around quickly and 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 it, and it was unexpected. Then then all of a sudden you realise I kind of engaged with that world and and then 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 it became you know we then reveled in that star for a few years, kept doing what we were doing. We then had a situation where we basically relocated. Our landlord was going to redevelop the whole end of the street where we were. So they we were relocated up to Mayfair. And in that move, we took the opportunity to think carefully about where we were going, what we wanted to achieve. And we decided that basically we wanted to progress further and kind of upgrade the restaurant and and, um, and turn it into something, you know, really high-end and special. Invested, We'd invested a lot in the wine list. So, so that gave us an opportunity to think, okay, right, what are our ambitions here? And we never chased stars, but at that point, we did acknowledge that actually we want to be at the operate at the highest level, and um, so that's what that's what we did, and we so we we built a restaurant that was appropriate, and and um, and recruited a team that was appropriate, and. So when we went into the second site, we our new site, we really worked at becoming something really special, and 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 that and that that kind of so that so that point was quite strategic. But I can hand on heart say that in all the years that I've that I've been cooking, my my food is conceived for the delivery of pleasure rather than trying to impress or achieve things. Yeah. That's probably, uh, I mean, in principle, I'm not a chef. Uh, I love to cook, but I'm absolutely not at any kind of professional level. But I would imagine that that's got to be one of the greatest lessons for any chef is to actually just pursue what you're passionate about, what, what you believe will bring pleasure to people rather than pursuing what might come. If you're focused on doing something really really well then all of the accolades will just come naturally anyway that's just you know just get your head down and do what makes you tick I, I, do, I do think that's true you know the, the, the truth is you know I, I've all this you know I've worked hard to develop as a, a chef and a human being but the reality is my palate was god-given you know that's I didn't work on trying to understand flavors and tastes what I just you know I am who I am and, and my palate absolutely 
you know, I'm so rigid in my approach to flavors that they are seasonal, classical, and that's it. I have never, I'm just not interested in trying to come up with new flavor combinations, for example. So I'm like a kind of an old master painter or watercolorist, you know, and, and of course there are people out there who, who do, do of course get, are passionate about being progressive and discovering new things and technical wizardry and all that, all those kind of things. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking about car design, architecture, sculpture, painting, you know, you've got your old school and your new, and your new school. And because I had a classical palate, I still, as an eater, forget as a chef, of all the food I've eaten out there, the food that gives the greatest pleasure is, and the food that I know we all love to eat more than anything else, is based on classical flavours. That's where, that's where the pleasure lies. Mm-hmm. And, um, you can get stimulated by a creative meal, but you're not going to get that eating pleasure that you get out of classic food. It doesn't mean it can't be contemporary and it's it's the flavors i'm talking about and so going back to the original point i think if you're armed with somebody whose whose palate likes to cook food that that does give pleasure then if you just focus on that then the byproduct and do it well then then the byproduct will be you will get judged well for it yeah there are people out there who aren't necessarily they necessarily get it right and that's you know I, there's loads of things I can't do in this world. You know, cooking is one that I can. And um, it's lucky that I chose it as a profession. But if you, there are lots of people who do get lost on the way and try and cook to achieve, do things differently, get inventive and over-creative. And I think sometimes you might get recognition because you're doing things that are technically clever and able. And even you could argue that you're cooking well on one level. But if you're not giving pleasure, then you're not going to have bums on seats, and that's why lots of the kind of the the, the um, some a lot of the ambitious restaurants just don't succeed is because they're not giving pleasure. People won't go back not having a good time. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's quite a simple philosophy, actually, isn't it, from a business perspective? It, it is. It is really. You know, I think you know we look. You know, there was a point in there was there was a period of years at the Square where, of course, we hoped we might get a third star. And um, why did we not get a third start? Well, I'm not really the one to answer that question, but I do know that there were things on the menu that I was never prepared to take off or never prepared to change my style because they, they're the dishes. That's the food. That's why we were such a successful business. And I just thought, actually, our primary purpose is to, I want to have, I want everything. I want to have, I want to have a big restaurant with bums on seats, spending lots of money, making lots of money, giving lots of pleasure, getting the accolades. I wanted the whole shebang. And I think... The Square was perhaps the greatest example of a restaurant that did tick a lot of those a lot of those boxes. And could we have gone a little bit further if we'd been a bit more strategic about it? And, and, and um, well, maybe we could have got you know ten out of ten in the Good Food Guide. But the heart and soul of that restaurant was was in its honesty. Yeah, absolutely. How long was it between achieving a first star and the second star? Uh, it was four years. Four okay, so still, I mean, quite a short period in reality, especially because I, I, I still, and I, you know, this is kind of it feeds into that old uh, sports cliche of around if you're good enough, you're old enough. But I, I still kind of see, you know, the age that you were at and what you were doing at full throttle is still quite. A, it's just quite a remarkable story. So to then take it, how old were you? Would you have been when you you hit this the second star? Um. 32 right yeah. yeah yeah still still very young yeah so still yeah still still you're still young but uh, you know we'd done a bit of learning by then had a bit of life by then yeah <laughs> and um i don't know hey it was it was a great it was a great it was it was a great journey yeah absolutely is there anything that you're looking back on that time now because you had the, the square for 25 years did you say yeah I've just over 25 years. Two stars for 17 years, is that right? Yep. Have I got, got that right? Is there anything that you look back on now and you think, oh, I wish wish we'd done that a little bit differently? No, I don't think so, actually. I think, um, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. We, we went all out and I think we, we, had, we, we pretty much, you know, had our cake and, and ate it. You know, we, 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 no, we had we had a great ride. And then when the time was right to move on, I mean, Nigel felt it very much too. It was kind of 2008-9 was the beginning of change, you know, that recession 
all the corporate lunches, you know, business was 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 harder. You know, we were still doing really well, but we just felt that we'd had our time. We'd been epic, and if we'd stuck it out, it would have just been. You know, we felt that it, we would put, it, it would have started to have just lost its. You know, I think all businesses have a have a have a span and and an era. Not all businesses, but if you're lucky, your business has a period where it's just. It's of the moment, and we had and we and we had that for quite a long period of time, and then you know, had the restaurants appearing, the world changing, food changing, and people wanting stuff that's a bit more casual, you know, which has obviously now progressed massively. So we wanted to call it a day while we still had a full dining room and were still enjoying it. Yeah, well, leave your audience wanting more, eh? Yeah, well, yeah, kind of, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose you, in principle, you did give them more because you, you it's not like you retired. Uh, yeah. at that point and uh, yeah you you I, I suppose take all this evolutionary process and move forward yeah it's one of the most humbling things that's ever happened actually was you know when you then announced that the square had closed uh, or we'd sold it you know which of course happens it's quite dramatic when that happens because nobody is aware you know when you sell a business it's not public until until it's happened and then I'd always thought when the time would come, we'd all, everyone would know about it. We'd all crusade over the finish line together and it'd be an amazing last few months and a bit like the Gavroche has done, but they're closing the business. You sell a business, you can't do it. Like, you know, that's not how it happens. It's mm. confidential, it's executed and then you make it public and it's done on that day. And it's very, it is dramatic. And all the millions of emails and letters we got from people and you realize over all that time, I mean, I know what, how I feel about it when some of the restaurants that I love have closed, but what the square meant to so many people and, um, you know, a lot of heavy corporate deals were done in there. A lot of big business was conducted in that dining room or celebrated in that dining room. A lot of special occasions, a lot of people would come for every anniversary they'd had and, you know, and, and you realize it becomes part of people's life. In the kitchen, we had also... You know, letters from and, and communications from from chefs, mothers who or fathers saying that their time at the square had 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 sent them on, had had given their son, you know, taken them out of a difficult part, you know, patch of life, or given them a sense of direction and a reason to be, and sowed the seed of of, of change and and passion in their lives. And you sort of realise, God, a lot. And of course, that happens in lots of businesses. You know, but I just saw it through the square, and you realise what it stood how how much it stood for for so many people so that was it was it was it was precious five star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time and that's exactly where rotacloud can help rotacloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors recording attendance and managing annual leave easy its simple drag and drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes while our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. Rotacloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Yeah. The time was right, and then Ellison Street came along, and it was really lovely to be able to update and say, right, what do I now see as a great restaurant? You know, Rebecca, my partner, who I'd already been, she's my partner, we are partners together at a restaurant called Kitchen W8, which we'd had for, I don't know, not probably not quite 10 years, I should think, but, you know, we did for a fair few years, so we'd been working together closely for quite a long time. And we we share a lot of a very aligned opinions about food and hospitality and restaurant. And so when we opened Ellison Street, it gave us the opportunity to, you know, to redefine what we wanted to do. And that was, and that was a real treat to simplify the food. That was from, that's what I wanted to do. Both as a chef and as a consumer, as an eater, I want, I wanted to cook much simpler food and cook food that was much more in tune with, where London has got to, you know, the square was quite unforgiving in terms of its, it was mostly, not all, but it was rich, foie gras, lots of shellfish, it was, you know, expensive, it was, you know, the menu was, the menu was what it was. I then wanted to do, I wanted to embrace all the kind of, you know, when the square opened, if you had one vegetarian customer in a week, 
that was dramatic or that was that was notable. Yeah, yeah. By the time the square we were done with the square, the number of services that had become incredibly challenging in dealing with people's preferences, and that's not being judgmental about it. That's just when you're on the receiving end of a dining room in an ambitious restaurant to deal with all the different allergies and intolerances, it makes life very challenging in a kitchen and it's not enjoyable. And so I wanted to make sure that we had a menu that was as accommodating as possible. So we still to this day have, we always have a vegan starter. More than half the starters are vegetarian. In those, we don't use gluten. We still serve dishes that are unashamedly rich and naughty because that's what they are. But we, in, in the menu is now much more accommodating to the mainstream preferences of gluten, dairy, you know. And you wouldn't read the menu and think, of you know, Phil's gone off, he's, he's, he's gone off piste here. But that's, that's, that was all part of the kind of, of the brand of what we thought, okay, this is what a, this is what a, a restaurant in 2016 needs to be. Cleaner yeah. food, simpler food, more accessible food. And, uh, and I think in the most part, we got it right. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, you, it's still a, it's a raging success uh, as well, certainly from the outside looking in. Um, you never know what's going on behind the scenes, but... Uh... Yeah, we have our moments, we have our days. You know, we have a, we have a complaints department, that's, which is me, and um, it exists. <laughs> but on the whole, we, we get lots of things right. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's, it's funny you, you kind of mentioned, uh, I remember hearing uh, Daniel Clifford on something that I was watching talk about as you... Uh, advanced through the ages as a as a chef you begin to realize that your your own body doesn't take food the way that it used to you know when you're indestructible when you're in your 20s you know in the way that you break down things like dairy and and all of yeah. these it just becomes more difficult so it does inform you then as as you advance through the ages as the type of chef you want to become yeah yeah and i think we all just in, in the end well you learn you know we all we all grow a bit wiser as we get older, and um, well, you hope so, don't you? <laughs> and but you hope so. But you know, I know what I want to eat when I go home. I know it's just it's it's simple thing. It doesn't mean they're not. You know, I still want food that is absolutely banging. I want delicious food, but I don't care whether it's a curry or a, a perfect tomato sliced up, drizzled with olive oil and sprinkled with rock salt, or a tomahawk steak on the barbecue, or you know bowl of cornflakes with full fat milk and brown sugar they're all epic you know in their own in their own right it just and it, um i just don't want to sit down and endure you know endless courses with long intervals you know where the whole thing just becomes labored you know there are restaurants out there that still get it right who are still very chefy and chef-led multiple courses but you've, you've just got to you know you can sit in a restaurant you're hungry you want to eat and um and there's a restaurant in Sweden called um, Favakin, which I used to go to quite a lot. Yeah. Up in the middle of nowhere, um, one of the world's top restaurants. And um, It was on there. Netflix, wasn't it? It was on the uh, uh, chef's table. And, and, but he really understood how to feed people, even though ultimately it was one of those places where you probably had 26 different courses, but you'd sit down and you would get waves of these little things would come. So you could still... At the point when you're at your hungriest, when you sit down, still eat lots of things and 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 and, and satiate that hunger, which is what you need to do. And then it would slow down. You'd get a few sort of sequential courses, and there'd be another little flurry, and then you know the gap. It was, it was really well considered. That means that you could go somewhere like that, and even though the food was complex and sophisticated, you still could eat in a way that was pleasing rather than sitting in some temple of gastronomy for another little morsel to be you know, offered and you eat it and then you're mm. waiting. Yeah, absolutely. You've written a couple of books uh, from, again, at your time at the, uh, the, the Square. And I remember, actually, I I suppose I'm a, a little bit of a late developer into the, the London food scene, having not moved here until mid-noughties. Took me a long time to get my head around London, let alone what was going on. And I, you were put on my radar by the Great British Menu, one of my favourite shows in yeah. the world. And um, all of a sudden, I was, I, I, I had a, a momentary period in my life where I became a little bit obsessed with cookbooks, mm. uh, especially the the elite level cook, cookbooks that you guys put together. And I remember at the time when your books were released, it was almost like the industry had been waiting for this. I, I remember it being announced that you were doing a cookbook, and I remember the the the, the industry going, "Excellent! That's that's like what we've been 
waiting mm-hmm. for. And I I bought the the cookbook, and I I um, what I loved about it as a as an amateur chef at home is is that it, again you had it felt like you had considered this from your reader's perspective. What do they need to know in order to put this together? And that's not always the case in these cookbooks. But yeah, your your books are an absolute thing of beauty. Listen, they were they were oh my god, they were they were hard work. You know, the is. Um, well, I've, I've felt, first and foremost, that if you're going to write a cookbook, you've got to, I knew industry would would be keen to see it, but you know that people are going to buy it and take it home. And it, it's just completely pointless to put a title of a dish on a page and give people insufficient information to even stand a chance of executing it. So I felt absolutely that every single recipe had to have a photograph, you know, which makes it very expensive. Most publishers are not even interested in touching that. But that was, you know, that that particularly for high-end food, that photograph, which was very kind of, you know, straight from above, very representational, is so much more, is so important. Because there's your goal. You know what you're doing. So it then makes... With that and, and and some 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 text, you can you, you've got a good idea of at least how to get from A to B. Mm. And um, there is no two ways about it. There is, you know, I did put more time into that cookbook, or as much time as required to try and do exactly that to give people. I can't remember what it was called, but you know, the, the first bit was the kind of the, the the key points in the dish. What what are the important considerations in this dish? Whether it was the buying of an ingredient or the you know whatever it was. Yeah, the equipment, the, the the getting your meat yeah, out of tent first. The the methodology, you know, it's so dull writing writing how to do something. It gets so repetitive. But the reality is, you could put, um, you know, buy two one point two kilo chickens, debone them, and use them to line a tureen, which is what a lot of cookbooks would say. That just means fucking nothing to Joe Bloggs. I mean, it's an utterly useless piece of information. But to actually describe how to take a chicken off the bone in the way that you need to to line a tree is hours of work you know so it's um but i i I did feel that people needed to have all the information so that if they really wanted to give it a stab they stood a chance of 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 achieving it so they they were they were they were they were good they were good books i mean they were supposed to go out as one but it was the biggest book ever kind of produced and so they just said there's just no way we can sell this as one book so that's why it was cleaved into sweet and savory because it um was just too big to sell as as, as one book would be too expensive um but they were they're, they're good books yeah absolutely i remember um my wife's cousin stayed with us for christmas one year he's a massive foodie as well and he'd just been bought the book uh for christmas and he wanted to cook us. I think you had a, a game pie of some description, as I recall, as one of the recipes. Yeah, quite possible. Uh, he wanted to cook that for us. And I just remember leaving him to it and coming back four hours later and the kitchen was a disaster. Yeah. Uh, but what he produced was amazing. Yeah. Um, and that was all from being, I suppose, you know, taking his time, making sure that every element of what he yeah. was putting together was was exactly as you said. And so, yeah, it definitely worked. Uh- there's those that you know not not all the recipes but most of them they're not easy at home because you don't generally have the space the equipment the kind of you don't have somebody out at the back washing up all your, all your pots and pans so with all the you know will in the world those recipes are they're hard work on a domestic level because you just haven't got the resources that you have in a professional kitchen including a team of people to help you do it mm. but they were the square deserved cookbook. And that's why they that's why they happened. Yeah. Well it's it kind of keeps it it's a sort of legacy piece now, isn't it? It you know, it keeps it in people's minds that this wonderful thing existed. And yeah. here you can have this small token of, of that time. Yeah. No, it's funny because the reality is now, you know, the square, you know, some of the young guys come to the kitchen now, the square would have been before their time, you know. And um it horrifies me to think that people look at me now in the same way that I probably looked at Pierre Kaufman when I was starting out as some old man with grey whatever got left is grey and it's like <laughs> I don't feel that at yeah. all. And um but that's that's the reality of it. There are there are an ever increasing number of young chefs out there who 
would have, you know, the square was before their time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, what's next for Phil Howard? What, what? Uh, I mean, it sounds like you're busy enough, but if you're a man that can't say no, then... And, uh... Uh, I, and what's next is, is, you know, it is time to start trying to make some intelligent life decisions. You know, I love food. I do find it harder now. I get, I'm, I'm less tolerant of... Restaurants are hard work. They are because they're live operations and they are, you know, they're, they're hard. And I find I just get irritated much more easily about just all the little things that can go wrong with broken equipment. So, you know, just, just, just the, 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 the mechanics of running a restaurant, are, it's relentless. All the restaurants I'm involved with are, that I'm actively involved with are seven days a week. So it is, it is kind of relentless. I've always, in the square was seven days a week. As much as people have always said, why on earth do you do it? In a way, seven days a week means that you have to, it's all about the team. It's not about some superstar chef and, and a squad of people who work below him. It's about the team. And whilst that takes time to build, once you have got the team and you, it's actually quite, liberating because no one person does have that that all controlling kind of contribution or the business is just not reliant on 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 me or or, or, or. but so the seven day a week thing in a way does breed a robust business but it, it also means it's kind of kind of relentless so i think you know i'm fast 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 approaching um 60 a couple of years time it is time to start you know, the kids have left. Time to spend some time. It's time traveling. to fill. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I still love the restaurants, but I want to wear them as a. I do want to increasingly wear them as a um, a looser garment. Interact on a creative level with, um, you know, talk about food with my head chefs and with Rebecca about the rest. You know, the restaurants as a whole, but hope, hopefully be able to do it from increasingly from the sidelines rather than being at the coalface. But it's hard because the truth is. The cold face is a fun, you know, on a good day, it still gives me more pleasure than anything else. That's still where, that's still the bit that nourishes my professional soul and in a way that nothing else does. But equally, I'm a firm believer that we're only on the planet once, the clock's ticking, and and these are my autumn years. I still feel young and well and healthy, and I want to get out there and see the world and have some great times with my life. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You're are you still an avid runner? I think you, you used to do triathlons um, and things, didn't you? Runner anymore now. Now, now, very much into into, into cycling. Right. I've just do um, next year the full Tour de France. Um, Mad. One week ahead of the event itself, full closed roads for charity. Group of twenty five uh, riders. So that that will be. I've done God knows how many marathons in my life, but this is this is a whole different level of of commitment 21 days of 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 absolute commitment but rule yeah yeah it's you know it's one of those opportunities one of those things that came up came along on the conveyor belt of life and i couldn't i couldn't help but pick it up well you couldn't say no could you that's that's your problem <laughs> yeah that's the problem <laughs> yeah. no that i mean that's that's immense do you think that that i mean i i kind of know the answer to this question for myself but would you be a different person if you didn't exercise if you didn't have that part of your life where you focused on that health listen it is the only thing i do if i go out and exercise i am always a happier person at the end of it yeah it is the only thing i do in my life that guarantees the same result and um and if i am a happier person as a result of it i'm a better person to be around it is it is yeah it has been absolutely instrumental to my well-being since the darker days back at the back at the square now from 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 30 to now so the last 28 years i've exercised consistently and it's without a doubt keeps me sane and balanced and happy and and um no two ways about it yeah i that's what i love about i mean you, you mentioned the darker days we're not going to delve into that today because i think it's been widely reported in the past in any case but the i think the great thing about that is is that you know, you're you're kind of almost a, a a wonderful humanity story because you get you're not nobody's perfect. Nobody makes a very clean 
rise to the top. It's, you know, there's uh, things that you've got to suss out, there's things that you, mistakes that you have to make that then inform you on hopefully you become a better human being because of the mistakes yeah. you've made. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's no two ways about it. I'm in a better place now. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, revel in going back on parts of the of, of, of the darker journey, and I certainly don't enjoy the impact it had on my on my family. So yes, I do have regrets, but those acknowledged and put to one side, I'm absolutely better off having been on that journey. Us human beings are really bad at looking at what makes us tick, how we tick, how to look at the behaviors that don't work for us you know we 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 just we just don't do that it doesn't happen in life you know we we kind mm. of just we need to learn by our own mistakes and um uh and when you go on the journey that that i did where you get to a point where you have no option but to have a really good hard look at how you tick and the benefits are just huge you know to update the hard drive and to find a better way of operating on it and it's simple you know it's not it's not all big picture stuff it's it's simple it's the simple things i know yeah. if i sit down with a packet of biscuits i'll eat the whole fucking thing and i'll feel shit and that's not because i'm some neurotic weirdo but it's just a kind of that's a negative behavior and it also works every time you know if i if i as a father try and sidestep giving quality time to my kids because I'm tired or I whatever it doesn't matter it's not a good you know you give time to your kids because it's right and and um it and it's good for them and it's good for you it's when it's repeating behaviors that are that are negative and and and, and toxic is a really pointless exercise but we're really good us humans are really good at doing that yeah 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 i, I the um i suppose as you say that, that if you just continue doing it without changing direction you can guarantee the result uh, yeah. of 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 that process yeah. for sure but exercise is the only thing that um there's lots of things that are that are good for us out there but exercise is the only one that i found that works every time without yeah and, um, yeah yeah, so yeah that's a really useful tool without question um I'm conscious of time, but I, I, a couple of questions before I let you yeah. on your merry way on your man, manic Monday yeah. lunchtime service. Um, stories. Have you got any any funny stories from your career that you can share? Oh God, um, funny stories. Oh, the whole thing's a bit of a is a bit of a funny story. <laughs> no, I don't know. I suppose it's back in the early days of the square in the kitchen. You know that that it was it was it was a different time then. It was a different. Um, but God, I don't know, you know, floods, you know, we had, if it rained hard, we had a, we had a, you know, a riser in the kitchen that used to, that would sort of start to whistle. If it really rained hard as water in sort of Piccadilly all thundered down, down the hill to, um, towards Buckingham Palace, you could hit the drain would start to whistle. You then just knew it was only a matter of time before this would blow. And then there would just be a torrent of water, you know, and, and our kitchen used to fill up to the knee. We were in a basement. <laughs> Not often, you know, but we would then just wait, wait, you know, roll the, roll, roll the trousers up and wait around in service, you know, and um, it, uh, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was hysterical. God almighty. I mean, that brings new sort of uh, credence to the phrase crack on, chef. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it does. I don't know, people, the whole, the whole, the whole, you know, in, it, it is a weird and wonderful world that we work in. And the whole thing is a comedy show in a way. And um, I love the fact that one of the perks I have is even as, you know, when I opened the square, as I said, I was 23. And the average age in the kitchen was probably 23. I'm now 58. And take me out of the equation, the average age in the kitchen is probably still 23. Right. And it's a real joy to, to work with young people you know, normally in, in, in your in people's professional worlds as they progress and climb the ladder and get promotion, so are the people around them and you end up, you know, management is older than, than the juniors. In the kitchen that doesn't really you're still in with the juniors and um mm. and it's been a really uh, that that keeps keeps life entertaining, suitably smutty and colourful and uh <laughs> day in, day out. Yeah. Fantastic. I love your message. I love the, the, there was something I wrote down as you were saying it, actually, that I just thought really kind of, to me, 
sums up something that we should all be shouting a bit louder about is that impact that your business can have on the the memories of the people that come in and, yeah. and the joy that you can bring to these people in their key moments, whether it's, as you say, a business deal, yeah. an anniversary, a, you know, a birthday celebration, whatever it is. And without that, the the life that we lead is a little bit less joyful. Yeah, it is. I think so. I would imagine it's probably fair to say that I spend more of my life in a restaurant than most people do. You know, as as a, as, a, as a customer, you know, I love eating out. But it, but it, but but that that is also very true. It is very true. And as an industry, you know, I've been, you know, I've judged many competitions over the years, and I've seen what this industry has to offer young kids who come from, you know, some of the the more challenging backgrounds um, in the in the country where they're in a catering college in, you know, the back end of wherever where they come from a a difficult background a challenging background in a in an area that's in a a, that is not wealthy and maybe had a shitty education or bunked out of education at some point early on and these kids don't have a vision out of that 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 bubble that they have been brought up in Mm. they end up in a catering college finding something cooking that is simple practical steeped in camaraderie it doesn't require great intellect it just requires an ability to cook and for some of those kids certainly not all of them their boats are floated for the first time in their life and if you're a great young scallywag cook in Aberdeen your next job can be at Claridge's in London you know and from Claridge's in London the world is your oyster Mm. and so I've seen firsthand people pulled out of very depressing situations and put into the mainstream of life and get on and live their wildest dreams and that's a really that's a really lovely thing that the industry has to offer absolutely and um not all industries have got the capacity to do that then get a job on a cruise ship travel the world you know get off in in, in the caribbean and stay yeah that's there. how i got my start yeah it yeah. is um you know it is it is it's it, it, it's 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 really lovely yeah, and that for me is just a wonderful way to to wrap this up. Yeah, Phil, thank you so much for taking time out of a, a crazy Monday. That's a pleasure. That's because you can't say no. We, yeah. we know that about you now. And um, yeah, wish you all the very best in the next chapter, whatever that looks like. Thank you so much. Enjoy Cheers. the rest of your day. Cheers, you too. Cheers. And there we have it. I still can't get over Phil taking on the square at the ripe old age of twenty-three. If you're good enough, and in his case, driven enough, you're definitely old enough. We'll be back as usual at 8pm next Wednesday for another story from hospitality. So until then, thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.